What's up everyone and welcome to episode 177 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck, I am your host through this wonderful, wonderful journey, show, thing, I don't know what I'm talking about this week, um, but hope everyone is well as the UK has once again entered another lockdown, we're uh, lockdown 3.0 now, the trilogy is complete, so let's hope there's no fourth spin-offs. Um, but yeah, thank you as always to everyone that checked out last week's episode with uh, Eagle from Fires in the Distance. That seemed to get a lot of attention, which is very always very, very grateful, considering that was our first kind of full interview of 2021. So let's hope we continue that trajectory into the rest of the year. Um as always, just kind of want to touch on a few things before we get into the to the crux of the main interview of this week's episode. Um, in terms of stuff that I reckon everyone should be checking out this week, really, really digging the Frozen Soul full length that came out Friday. Uh, it's called uh, Crypt in the Ice or Crypt, Crypt in Ice. Give me two seconds. I will look it up because I'm... Crypt of Ice. There we go. Um, and the new uh, Greed EP as well called uh, The Purge of Earth, so there are two things that I reckon people should be getting in their luggles and checking out and listening to at the moment. Um, last week, I think it was last week's episode I mentioned it, yeah it must have been, no, or maybe the entry record, either or, um, I mentioned that this year I kind of want to do things a little bit differently in terms of not just talking to people in bands but other people involved in the world of music um i'm starting to put out feelers for that as well but in part since kind of coming up with that idea i sort of thought of like what more could i do personally and sort of to kind of push other avenues to sort of help raise awareness and things like that so i'm gonna try and launch a new project which I'm going to explain to you now. I'll do another post about it on all the social medias that kind of explain it in a, maybe a little bit more detail and is a bit of a clearer thing, so it's away from this episode of the podcast. But I'm going to explain it here and we'll go from there. So my idea is to come up with uh, three music samplers throughout the year. So every four months... Um, <clears throat> have it feature it'll probably be songs that are already out in the world but maybe from bands that people haven't necessarily either heard of or haven't heard the record or heard that song um potentially down the line we could have sort of exclusive tracks that aren't out yet that are going to feature on this i don't know like where this is going to go but the idea is to have a 20 track sampler of all varying different artists um, that will go up for band on Bandcamp for a dollar. Uh, so every download of that, each so every four months, I will pick a different charity. All the money raised from the download of, of the sampler will be donated to said charity. Um, as well as that, what my plan is to do is to get each sampler to have like a bespoke artwork made for it by an artist illustrator or whatever um and to make limited runs of those artworks 
it'll probably be A4, maybe A3, depending on costs. I haven't worked that bit out yet at the moment. This is all very kind of like a spitballing idea and kind of see where it goes. Um, but again, those prints will go out for sale. And again, 100% of the profits made from those sales will go to said charities. Now, the charities I'm looking at are ones that are predominantly based in the music world but I'm open to sort of other suggestions if people think there's other causes that need attention and need sort of help and support. So this is very much going to be like a user generated kind of thing. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. So as I said, I will put up a separate post of this just to kind of make it a bit clearer. But what I'm hoping to do is I will reach out to certain bands as well, but I also want bands to submit tracks that they would like to be put on the samplers as i say i'm going to limit it to 20 to each one so if obviously i get a huge influx then it might be a case that a track rolls over or so on and so forth but this is my plan in theory so if anyone wants to get involved then please hit us up on the socials it's at just underscore and underscore insight and then email is just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Again, we'll put all these details in a separate post to make it clear. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of like focus my efforts in something that is a bit more worthwhile and helping other people, especially like after last year, like the, sh the state that the, the music industry was in. And I, I kind of put some bits of money towards that so i kind of want to try and help in another way and i think like charity organizations that help within the music world like as i mentioned earlier uh in the previous episode things like music therapy uh just like mental health awareness charities that work within the music sector um the music venues trusts and those are just ones that are coming to mind right now as i'm spitballing this idea so that is kind of it in a nutshell. As I said, I will put more details of this up in a separate post, but I hope people like the idea, get on board with the idea, um, bands get involved with the idea. So any bands that are listening to this or people know people in bands that think they'd like to get involved in this, then please tag them, share this and get their attention on this. Because as I say, I want this to not just be a one and done thing. I hope this will continue and grow and go on year and year and year. That's the plan. Right, now that's all been said, I'm going to stop waffling because this intro has gone way too long anyway. So let's get into our guest this week. Uh, and this week I am joined by guitarists and vocalists of shoegaze grunge band uh, Bitch Falcon, uh, Lizzie Fitzpatrick. Now, I've got to be totally honest and clear and transparent. Before 2020, I hadn't heard of Bitch Falcon but I'm very, very glad that I have. Um, their debut record, Staring at Clocks, became a regular listen to last year. Didn't quite make my records of the year, but it is one that I have gone back to numerous times and it is incredibly, incredibly good. So it deserves all your time and attention. Um, so yeah, I had the opportunity to sit down with Lizzie. This was back in uh november last year so i think it was just as ireland's second lockdown was definitely easing i think ours here in the uk also was 
So just to give you kind of a time frame as to when this was recorded, uh, we obviously talk about how kind of Bitch Falcon started. We talk about how Lizzie kind of got into music through the choir and church. Um, how when Bitch Falcon started, they got their original drummer through Gumtree, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, and also sort of what it's been like for, for Lizzie, who outside of music works as a nurse. So her time during obviously all the stuff during the pandemic and how, like, as I mentioned, like 2020 was a year that Bitch Falcon got a lot of eyes on them and they've got a lot of attention and sort of momentum going with them at the moment in a time where that's quite difficult for bands. So what it's been like for to sort of be on the other side of that. So, yeah, please enjoy the chat I have with Lizzie. Sit back, enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is guitarist and vocalist of shoegaze grunge band Bitch Falcon, uh, Lizzie Fitzpatrick. Lizzie, thank you very much for taking some time to have a chat with me, despite uh, a m- almost near disaster before we started recording. Um, care to tell everyone what happened? Oh, well, I thought I'd be proactive and start chopping an onion to get my um, my sauce on the go for my meatballs and pasta. But um I chopped my finger instead, so maybe, you know, a bit of auto-cannibalism would <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> be pretty good. <laughs> but apart, apart from the, the finger, how how is everything? How are you? Not too bad. We have um, eased our lockdown over here in Ireland. We're just finished lockdown too, so yeah, feeling spirits are getting up. Yeah, and... Obviously, we'll talk about the the album in a bit more mm-hmm. detail in a moment. But just in terms of kind of uh, where we are with it, in terms of like the reaction and things that is is gathered and things like that. Have you? I don't mean this to sound in a patronising way, but are you kind of surprised like that how well received it has become? Um, no, I'm really happy. Uh, absolutely delighted. Um, I think it's hard when you're in the situation. It it can be like you get tunnel vision you always look for the next thing you're always like because it's such a competition base of being in music I think in in industry you're always looking for that next pump you know you're 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 chasing Mm. that all the time so sometimes you know it's it's you don't even listen to it and that's something that I'm trying to change like kind of mindfulness and appreciating all the love and respect to get it's amazing like so I'm really yeah I'm absolutely delighted Mm. And as I mentioned, how I kind of always like to start this off, I always take my guests back to their their roots and their origins, so to say. So yeah. how I always open the conversation is, what kind of like got you into alternative music? What was your kind of first exposure to that world? I think, well, my mom used to buy CDs of artists that have that one single that doesn't reflect their music. So, okay. <laughs> so like. She got me into Bjork only because she wanted It's Oh So Quiet. But she hated all of her. Didn't like any of her other music. But I loved everything else. But if it's Oh So Quiet. So I kind of got, you know, introduced to alternative music through my mom just buying the CD for that one song. But I loved all the rest of the music, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, my sister was a huge influence as well. You know, she she gave me a lot of um, influence with 
oh, she always listened to everything weird and wonderful. And also a big part of it was this. Um, did you ever have that CD um, that uh, Encarta ninety five? It was like a. Don't it was like know. it was like a PC um, encyclopedia, and like we like you know obviously you know didn't have any internet of course when I was younger, and yeah. so we just had like our Windows ninety five computer, and we would just get all of our enjoyment out of Minesweeper and uh, <laughs> Encarta yeah. ninety five, and so in this like uh, CD. Um, rom encyclopedia there was like loads of musical artists that you could look up kind of like wikipedia and um yeah it would have little clips of music so i would go mad just playing that clip of music over and over and over again because i had no cds <laughs> or anything like that's so i was just like yeah and carter 95 so it was like david so bowie it's elvis it's... costello loads of people like it was just and just like a tiny clip and it just kept playing them over and over again can you remember any of the songs specifically? Uh, it was Elvis Costello, Pump It Up. And that song still like excites me because I just thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And it was Changes by David Bowie. There's Rod Stewart Brilliant. as well. And some of that. Like there wasn't that many, but the ones that they were pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So then in terms of kind of like your own sort of like musical like exploration, mm. like you mentioned kind of like your mum getting like Bjork mm. and then you kind of like digging a bit deeper and I think it's quite funny that you mentioned that because obviously in a lot of the stuff that I've read about sort of your band now like people make that Bjork comparison which I think is quite ironic in in some aspects but in terms of you like finding like music off your own back were there any particular bands that you were drawn to well you know it was Blink-182 for a long time when I was about, you know, yeah. 12 to 14 or so. And then I, I I got really into a David Bowie phase. And so that was, it's still not over that phase, but um, it, <laughs> yeah. it, I got really, really obsessed with David Bowie when I was 16. And that went on for ages. And I was just so hungry for music. And I used, I was only talking about it recently. Like when I was younger, I used to, buy so many magazines buy I was just always searching and searching for new sounds all the time and now I think I've gotten a bit lazy you know you kind of do your discover weekly on Spotify a bit but always going back to old favorites or similar bands very very um temperament I'm very cautious about new music now I need to get a bit more sometimes it can be overwhelming the amount of new music out there and I think with yeah the internet it can be really I'm like, oh, it's it's too much to start that you're just like, actually, I can't even <laughs> go there. But um, yeah, I used to I used to read those magazines. My sister used to give me, you know, my sister introduced me to the knife, and that was like mm. a big thing for me as well. So, yeah, my sister and like the absolute hunger for it was buying loads of magazines and just trying things out. And so was your was your sister kind of into sort of like rock alternative stuff as well yeah like she was she was really bit into Bjork really into like Tori Amos but then loved I remember I remember when she loved Papa Roach when you know um that album came out that you know yeah and I was like 
this is so cool I'm gonna be a goth now and so I turned up to my friends and I like (laughs) took all the like stuff that she didn't want to wear and I turned up to my friend's house and they're just like what's going on I was just like it's me now I'm I'm a goth now (laughs) so that was kind of my introduction and my brother loved Iron Maiden and stuff like that so but we used to slag him off all the time so it kind of kept me in between there was a lot of new metal I guess it was fairly um yeah influential at the time but really, I loved a lot of, yeah, Blink-182, that kind of stuff. And then it didn't really go that weird until it was kind of more the art pop stuff and the art dance stuff like The Knife and Bjork and Bit of Bowie and stuff like that. Yeah. And kind of like from there, like, obviously, I've already mentioned kind of people making the sort of Bjork comparisons. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with Bowie there as mm-hmm. well, it's kind of starting to seep in. But in terms of like the musicality of what you're kind of doing now maybe not necessarily specifically music you're listening to now but was there kind of any bands that kind of I guess kind of opened your eyes to that kind of more like grungy shoegazy kind of sound well we started Pitch Falcon it was very blues rocky so I was listening to a lot of dead weather and things like that and so I was really loving Jack White and The Kills like loved Alison and I just really enjoyed the kind of in-your-face kind of, but with like maybe a bit of a cooler attitude, like the yeah, yeahs and stuff like that. Um, but I grew out of that after a while. I, you know, I really wanted to write sad songs. I think that was the main thing about it. And, mm. I, you know, after a couple of years, it really got old, the kind of blues rock stuff. And it kind of, right. I felt like it kind of, there's a certain point in it. I think, you know, it takes a pioneer to change it again. But there's a certain point where you get to it where it gets very technical uh, guitar based. And I'm not like a technical guitar player. I kind of just make weird sounds rather than, and you know, a very <laughs> yeah. good guitarist. You know, I, I'm, I'm not really classically trained or, or even rock trained. I'm just, I don't know, like I wouldn't be able to tell you what note I'm playing. I'm just playing, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. So... And I just didn't want to, I think when we were writing that stuff, it was going down a path of kind of this macho kind of bro guitar playing. And I didn't want to, I think I was finished with that. And so then the shoegaze thing, you know, obviously I loved My Bloody Valentine. And I was listening to a lot of heavy, but melodic stuff. Like I really love fuck buttons. I was listening, a lot of dance stuff as well. And Beach House was a big thing. Cocktail Twins. Yeah. Those 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 bands <laughs> kind of drew me yeah. in. I think it was like starting to go into a direction where the music that I really wanted to write. Yeah. And this could be me being massively stereotypical. Mm-hmm. So apologies in advance. But just because I know from other Irish artists that I've spoken to, obviously like when they're younger, growing up in the families, like, traditional Irish music is something that is there in the background mm-hmm. quite a lot. So was that something that played a part in your kind of musical no, development? Not at all, or not no, at all? Um, I was always jealous of like the trad gals, you know, that could play an accordion, tin whistle, a piano, like they would play loads. Yeah. I was never, I always asked for my parents to send me to grades so they weren't really bothered. My dad is a guitarist, so he's a jazz guitarist, but like kind of okay. pop and, you know, he used to play in pub bands 
with his brothers. They were called the Hangovers. Right, okay. And so, you know, I was, you know, a lot nice. of Carlos <laughs> Santana, a lot of, you know, um, Eric Clapton. He's a big Clapton fan. So that was really, my dad taught me guitar and that was my family musical influence. It was really much an entertainer's kind of playing with my, with you know, the all the yeah. Fitzpatrick's, all my uncles, they all play guitar. And so it was a lot of, you know, Aslan, you know, Aslan. Yeah, so it was a lot of yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff, you know, it was very much as in like, get the acoustic guitar and roar. It doesn't matter if you can sing or not, like yeah, just roar. Yeah. So that was, yeah, my background rather than trad. No, I had no trad in my, in my family at all, actually. Okay, cool. And then you've kind of answered this question mm. a little bit because you were saying about your dad kind of obviously playing, but in terms of you actually picking up a guitar, obviously I can see two wonderful oh, yeah. guitars hanging I know, every time we you. do this, I do a podcast um, or anything, they're just like, oh, you have your place set up really well. And I was just like, oh, I should do that. It's kind of embarrassing. It's like, you can see my kitchen there, you know. I don't, you know, it's not like a cool studio or anything. And I have a socket for like a pop screen. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like you picking up guitar, I'm, I'm again making okay. a bit of an assumption here, but I'm guessing, as you say, with uncles and dad playing guitar was that something that you were kind of just naturally drawn to because they mm, were doing yeah, it or definitely. was it something that you were just like later on down the line like oh yeah my dad plays guitar maybe I should give it a go kind oh of no thing. like the guitar was around from birth really like I thought it was so cool like I wasn't like I didn't <laughs> yeah. actually you know put my focus on it until I was about maybe 12 because a mm. big influence for me to actually because my dad was so relaxed about it, they didn't want to be parents. They didn't want to be pushy parents in anything. So, yeah. Um, because my dad was so relaxed, I would have probably not have picked it up properly. But it was in school, there was a choir and it was re- music was pretty big. in My secondary school in Wexford and in South of Ireland. And the, they had a choir for because during mass times, we had mass like for everything it was so it was very catholic school it was very very boring and so yeah. a way to get out of mass was to play in the choir during mass and so i was like i want to play guitar during the choir so the music teacher was like you know you have to be able to play the song to play in the choir i was like oh yeah 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 so it made yeah. me practice that actually made me practice because i felt so nervous and felt so like i really wanted to impress him and be in this choir even though like I couldn't give a shit about the songs. I just wanted to play. So I think yeah. my dad was an influence, but a very relaxed influence. And then school was actually a really good influence for me to actually work at it. And I could see then once I started getting better, I could actually, you know, continue on with it. And in that terms of like you saying, like your dad was kind of a, a relaxed mm. influence. Like once you kind of started to show a bit more of an interest, did he then kind of be like, Okay, you've learned like the the Catholic <laughs> like choir side of things, but was he like then like here's jazz? Oh yeah, like he he teach me, but my dad is like he's a very sweet man and he's very um he doesn't want to bother anyone, so you know if he right yeah <laughs> very like, Irish, so, like you know he'd be teaching <laughs> you something and maybe it wouldn't make sense and you're just kind of thinking and maybe I was like quiet. Uh, and he just be like, ah, you, you don't want, you don't want to do. No, it's fine. We won't do it. <laughs> like you think, you think that I, he's annoying me, you know? And I'm like, you're not annoying me at all. But um, 
Yeah, he did. He did do a lot of that, but it went over my head. To be honest, I learned loads with downloading and printing off tabs of Blink-182 songs and playing them and whole, like I nice. loved Courtney Love and Nirvana and stuff like that. So like learning off of things, but like, you know, what was hilarious was like I downloaded all those tabs and print them off in like, you know, an old printer that took for ages. But like, you know, there's only three chords in Blink-182's music. So like, (laughs) (laughs) it never clicked. I've had thousands of pages of like printed out, like just power chords. Like I could have just figured it out. I think so my... My older brother was very much the same. Like he did the same, like learn taught, like self-taught guitar, but it was all through yeah. tabs. And it, I just like as soon as you said that, it was almost kind of like PTSD of remembering seeing these printed sheets just like laying around. Oh, I love tabs. Oh, like that was like oh every evening was just tabs. Like you know everyone kind of talks about you know what they got up to when they were you know thirteen, fourteen. I was just you know trying to hide that I was online because I wasn't allowed to go online it was just had when yeah, we got yeah. internet you know it was dial up so it was like as soon as my mom put up the phone like it's like let's use online <laughs> like and it's so expensive <laughs> to download these tabs that she could just work out herself but um yeah tabs was a, a crazy place and the forms about it like it was like a big part of my life tabs you, you get that yeah. nostalgia when you talk about it you're like oh yeah ultimate guitar great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so then in terms of like the singing side of things mm. has that kind of gone hand in hand with the guitar or is that something that you kind of like explored a little bit later on in life um it was the choir the choir helped me okay. learn and it was really good for harmonies like he taught mr Kennelly was my teacher and he's amazing he was just hilarious he just didn't really care about the other rules like if you were in the choir class in school you could skip Irish or maths when a mass was coming up see now we had a lot of masses so then if you're in the choir class you could go to your Irish teacher being like I have to go to practice and you could just lie <laughs> and he would cover you for you so you just be like oh there's a mass coming up we have to practice the choir has to practice and we had these little <laughs> rooms out beside the music room we had these little cells they were called and there's these tiny little okay. practice rooms and so if you you could skip class and go in there and just say to Mr. Kennedy we're um we're practicing and he's like I didn't see you I'll just lock you in and pretend I didn't know it was great so it was you know choir was it was great when you when you're in your senior years because then he taught you how to sing properly you learned how to do you know multiple different harmonies and just work them out by ear so that really helped me in my singing voice. And then, you know, I went down a bit of a folk route then. And so mm. I was like, like loved like Laura Marling and stuff like that when I was like in sixth year, fifth year, sixth year, maybe I was 17. And I was doing a lot of that. And then, you know, I fell in love yeah. with girls in my school. And so I was serenading them like very cliched, like girl with a guitar, <laughs> like... <laughs> never worked though so what? i don't recommend it <laughs> oh i was hoping you were gonna no. have some, some romantic <laughs> stories for me then hmm. um and then in terms of so whereabouts in ireland did you grow up um uh wexford primarily i was born in dublin the capital and then we moved hmm. to wexford which is like the south kind of seaside area in um but it's countryside, really, a lot of farms and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I went to school in like a town, maybe a half an hour away from 
where I lived by car. So okay. um, it was, yeah, it was kind of like intense. And actually around me when I was in my teenage years, I didn't really have any friends close by. And like I wasn't mm. friends with the lads that would turn up and you sneak out and run out to the car. I wasn't one of them. I was just like one of the nerds that would play guitar. <laughs> and that was another thing because... I didn't have any distractions, so I just play guitar when I was at home. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. The the reason the reason I ask is I always kind of like like to find out what people's kind of like local music scenes yeah. and things are like when they started kind of going to live oh, yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. So what was there kind of much? Yeah, there, there was like or? a youth thing on. It was called the Dunwira, and it was in um, Wexford Town, and so I'd have to get my dad to drop me to Wexford Town, which is about a half an hour, 40 minute drive. And he'd have to drop yeah. me off at eight o'clock and pick me up at 12. But then, you know, I discovered drinking then. And so it was just like <laughs> vodka yeah. and shifting, uh, which is kissing. And so, <laughs> and so that's, you know, my live gig thing was just like a lot of really shitty bands of lads doing like Metallica. And you're just like, I'm going to get drunk and shift shift yeah. my way out of this place <laughs> but like I never felt like I could be in the one of those bands though because I didn't have I didn't live in a town I lived in the countryside so I didn't have like yeah. friends that we could just be like oh we're wearing a band together we can go practice I it was always the lads are in the band I'm I just go to gigs and I remember talking to my mom in the car one day I'm like oh I don't know I want to work in music somehow maybe maybe I could manage a band or do something she's like yeah 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 and I was like but it's funny I just wanted to be in a band I wanted to perform but I was too scared to I never thought I could do it I never you know yeah. I had felt like an imposter and it wasn't until college that I actually um started playing in bands mm. and because well that kind of, again moves me nicely onto my next question because I always find like with musicians like obviously they practice and whatever and people have different ambitions and aims with it but especially in a kind of alternative music world punk diy whatever it will be there's always seems to be like a light bulb moment and it usually comes at a live show when they see someone that they can relate to or is on a similar level and then they kind of go oh wait if that person does yeah. it then i can do it kind of thing so did you ever kind of have that moment or was it not until, as you say, until you were in college and sort of started meeting like-minded people? Yeah, I got I got a bit more confident in my final year of secondary school before college and I used to go busking and, uh, and okay. so I used to do that on my own and just like, but I never prepared, I never knew a set length. So I was just on the of Grafton Street, like the main shopping street in Dublin and I would get the bus up. And I would just busk for a while and make, you know, my bus fare back home. And so that was like my first glimpse <laughs> yeah. of performance. And so and then in school, I had a lot of performance with um, all of the because we have to do practical exams for our music um, exams in school. So I was oh, mm. I was the guitarist in school. So I played guitar for all the girls singing Garth Brooks. And right. Okay. <laughs> all the bad stuff. So like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was playing all that kind of stuff for people. So then I got into open mic gigs then, and I used to, you know, get up there with a the guitar and just sing, you know, some songs and write some little tunes. 
they were never fully formed ideas. It was actually hilarious that I would just go up to these open mic gigs and just write, sing half written songs and just be like, yeah, that's that's the end. And people would just be like, oh, okay. And then just clap. Um, yeah. And so I think I, I was kind of building myself up to it. And there was a competition in my drama society in college. And it was like a Beatles thing. And it was like, if you win, you can win, you know, I don't know, probably six pack of cans. And so me and my friend decided to form a band <laughs> then. And that was our first band. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess so kind of like from that then, in terms of kind of like your own musical exploration, like obviously people have kind of like college mm-hmm. bands and, and things like that, but do you have like a first band that you like consider like a first proper band or is that no bitch falcon was the first band proper serious band okay Um, i had like me and um see bitch falcon started with me and fia kavanagh who was a guitarist and she's not anymore Mm. and but i used to play with her sister that was that college thing that we had that competition so we used to play together and we would just have fun. We were just jamming and messing and we could never really yeah. tie down something. And it wasn't until Fia asked me to join with her in a new project then we actually started taking ourselves seriously and like writing properly. And that was, yeah, so Bitch Falcon actually is my first band. Okay, cool. And then, so when did you move to, to Dublin? Was that for sort of college kind of thing? For college, yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I moved up when I was about, you know, 17 18 yeah so when you kind of moved to dublin did that kind of like open your eyes to sort of wider music experiences because like i'm i'm making the assumption that like in wexford obviously as you say it's out in the country and there was only kind of that one sort of thing so were you starting to go to more shows and kind of yeah and i would go alone yeah i would just yeah because none of my friends liked alternative music when i was about 17 18 they didn't really like going to gigs that much other than you know pop stuff so and I wasn't interested (laughs) and so I would yeah so I would go on my own to gigs and it was nice it was nice going on my own to things and talk to people in music shops and try and fit in with uh, (laughs) all the cool people up in Dublin um and then college yeah college introduced me to people who was into the same thing and Back, you know, in 2009, 2010, when I started college, that was, there was a really great um, venue, pub slash venue with three floors and had three stages. Now, the bands were usually awful in them, but that's <laughs> where you started right. playing. And so it was great just going there. And we used to rob people's pints and just stay there all night. And so if there was a pint that looked a bit lonely it was getting robbed <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we just yeah that was really like a big institution for me uh kind of growing up because I bumped into loads of people made loads of friends at that time who like were into the same things as me and so it did open up a whole world and confidence and then when I was in that venue pub it was like I can definitely do that I'll do yeah. that sometime I will and just before kind of move on, just it's only because this has literally just popped in, into my head. In terms mm-hmm. of like scale of size, how big is 
is Wexford? Is it quite a big town or is it? Uh, Wexford um, is. I don't know what to compare it to. It could be like. Um, oh. I don't know. It's not a city. It's yeah. a town. Um, I don't know. Maybe. No, it'd be smaller than Brighton now. Um, maybe Bristol. It's oh, smaller okay. than Bristol. Maybe even smaller. Yeah. It, what's. Exeter, maybe something like Exeter. Right, okay. Yeah. That kind of size, but like, you know, it has a lot of buzz in it and fun, and it's 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 pretty, you know, and it's an old heritage town, but it's yeah. not. No, know, the, yeah. The only reason I ask is because, um, do you know the Winter Passing? Yeah. Yeah. So the only reason I ask this is because I find it hilarious whenever I talk to those guys that, that obviously they're originally from, I can't remember the exact place, but it's a tiny place in Tipperary. Yeah. And I remember when they they got signed to um, 6131, their local paper kind of like treated them like they were like these mega stars. So I was just going <laughs> to yeah. ask like if you ever had like similar treatment, but... In Wexford? I, yeah. Not that I know of. I think I've... Uh... Yeah, not, not that I know of anyway. I hope <laughs> no. I'm, but I, I was a blow-in because I moved from Dublin. So like I'm not, I'm uh, not a true okay. Wexford woman to some people, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so then obviously you mentioned kind of bitch falcon is kind of your first sort of proper project and things like that and you've already kind of mentioned that when it started it was kind of more this sort of bluesy sort of sound so mm. in terms of that like because i i always like to ask like how the the kind of sound evolved and things like that but in terms of it kind of wanting to be that more kind of bluesy project sort of thing what were you kind of going for in, in those embryonic stages what did you want it to sort of sound like yeah it was the dead weather i want to be like <laughs> in the dead weather that's what it was yeah i wanted to be them i wanted to be jack white and um alison mossart uh completely so <laughs> that was that <laughs> really like it was no, no, yeah that's... it was yeah and then you know we had some other influences like um fever ray um you know, like one of our one of the songs that I think you know translates really well, even though it was one of the first songs that me and Fia wrote, the original member of the band, was of heart, and mm. so that's not bluesy at all. Like it's fairly heavy, slow, kind of sludge stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's really that was always there that we wanted to write, but I think I just got maybe wrapped up in trying to be cool rock star you know with like cool guitar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing in drop d yeah <laughs> and obviously i don't want to go sort of like too much into the kind of like how you became a band because like mm. that's boring and people don't want to know but one little nugget that i did find doing the research which i i do want to dig in a bit more is obviously how mm. you came about your original drummer and obviously i think for most people, they might not know what Gumtree even is. Oh yeah, I think, I think I, yeah, <laughs> I think in the UK they do, but I'm lucky enough there are international listeners. So Gumtree's okay. a bit like Craigslist, I guess in America. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, we. Yeah. Did you just kind of put like put a post up like drummer wanted kind of thing? I didn't. Yeah, Fia did. She the original member. She was just like, yeah, I just put up on on. Um, Gumtree and it was great you know Ramenda was goes of fun but Ridmilla, you know had her priorities in order like we were young and we were just like you know our whole life is this band and so but she'd just be like 
guys, we're like practicing for like four hours. I want to make some dinner. And we're just like, <laughs> what's yeah. dinner? Like, oh, come on, you're not a rock. But um, yeah, she was she was hilarious. She um, she sometimes she's just stopped playing halfway through songs. So, <laughs> and, oh God. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they what, were shit any beats. Reason, and we were friends just... there. Hmm? Yeah, just she was just like, it's too fast. She says it's too fast. I can't do it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, she was cool though. But I just the reason I kind of bring that up because like my relationship with Gumtree is always like, oh, I need to buy a wardrobe or something like that. So yeah, I same. I mean, I didn't know that either. But I mean, try your luck, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so like once like Bitch Falcon kind of like got going and pardon the pun, got some wind under its wings, kind of thing. But like. When you started sort of like gigging and stuff like that, when would you kind of say there was a moment that you realised like, oh, this isn't just like mates mucking around with, like this is something that I want to kind of take a bit more seriously? Oh, it was very early on. Me and Fia had, like we were, we took it very seriously very early on. And we, I remember having a chat in that same pub that I was talking about and we're just like if you had to give it all up would you do it and we're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean I still have a full time job but <laughs> I didn't need to give up anything <laughs> yeah it was it was I it was when we started gigging and we got really good reaction I think people thought we were going to be really shit and you know we were slightly shit but a lot better than what people thought mm. and uh it was only then when people's reactions were just like, oh, you got something good there. We're like, oh, cool. And then we just got more and more and more gigs. Like we got more gigs than songs. And it was it was hard to play those gigs because we were just like, oh, we only have three songs. Like I, I can't I can't play like, you know, it was very quick and it continued. That momentum kept going up. And I think it got to a point where we were just like, we actually don't know what we're writing here. We don't know what we're doing to a certain extent. We could, you know, we could, we we, we kept getting better and better gigs and longer and longer sets, of course. Yeah. And we kept writing for those sets rather than writing music for the band. Right, okay. We kept trying to, trying to fill it. Like, oh, uh, we have a 40 minute set. Okay, let's like write this passage here, write this thing. And so it was great, but... Really, in reality, we weren't ready, you know, yeah. at the start. And, uh, you know, you just have to gotta go with it, really. And were, like, as you say, kind of, like, getting, starting to get offered, like, more and more gigs, were they all sort of, like, in and around Dublin or were they further afield around Ireland? Like, where were they kind of starting? All around Dublin at the start. And then, you know, festival gigs, things like that. And, yeah... There's a couple of, you know, different music destinations in, in Ireland, you know, like Galway, Cork and up to Belfast. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we get, we got more and more and it got more, sounded more and more real and professional, you know, as, as, as it went on. So, like the first two years was just a jump for us anyway. Definitely felt mm. very quick. And when did you first come over to to England or the... The rest of um, I think our first gig was with Get In Her Ears, you know, that um, podcast or blog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a gig in the Finsbury, um, near Finsbury Park. And 
they I think we were it was crash kit or trash kit and it was great it was a great gig um but they just liked they just heard it online and uh offered us a slot so we came over jumped at it it was great but it took a while and to be honest it was a couple it was maybe two or three years yeah and had you been over to england like just like holiday or anything like that or was yeah. this your first time over oh yeah, yeah 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 my sister lives in peterborough so uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. oh yeah we've been over to yeah london and visited yeah. England a bit. yeah yeah so but i guess so in terms of sort of like more extensive kind of like tours and, and things like that like were you because I, I know you mentioned like those sort of cities in in ireland and stuff and this is a bit of my ignorance but mm -hmm. can you do a like a full tour in ireland or is that something that didn't kind of happen until you started coming over to the to england and stuff oh no like we were touring in ireland um regularly like you could do mm. tours in ireland but it has to kind of stick to weekends because midweek shows only really do well if you're a big star okay you know uh around Ireland you could get away with a midweek show in Dublin but like Galway it's just a it's just a very easy going city so it's not gonna go there like yeah you can there's about probably six or seven maybe up to ten places in Ireland that you could definitely do a 300 400 cap gig oh, okay, yeah cool. yeah like it's Ireland is very small and lowly populated but very very hungry for music like it's yeah it's has a good irish scene i think a lot of irish people might say oh the irish scene is a bit uh, on irish music but really there's always bands playing irish bands playing and people are always in you know enjoy the irish uh mm. gigging scene i think you know it's harder for english bands maybe to start over like like the way it is over to ye you know and um, yeah but um, yeah, there's other. But you should probably, you know, do a Friday and Saturday night over a, a couple of weekends. That'd be the best way to tour in Ireland is to do, you know, right? You know, yeah. stick it to those. The weekend people are gonna go out and see. It'd be, it'd be same like as playing, you know, St Albans or things like that. You know, you, you if you did a Tuesday yeah, yeah. in Leicester, you know, you're not, you know, it's you know. <laughs> yeah. But if you did a Friday, Saturday, you could have a great show. Or Nottingham, yeah, like yeah, those, those okay. Nottingham would be kind of the size of our cities, that 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 kind of size. So, uh, yeah, so I'm definitely a scene there, but um, yeah, maybe stick to weekends. Yeah, unless you're Bob well, Dylan. In terms of, <laughs> yeah, in terms of like you like touring and like starting to go out on tours and things like that, what was your kind of like experience with those early sort of tours like? Because I always find it interesting whether people have kind of any preconceived ideas of what they expect touring life is going to be like mm. and whether those, well, because obviously you're still kind of doing it now, so you're still keeping at it, but like whether they're a knockback or they're like some like solidify, like, oh no, this is what I want to do kind of thing. So what were those early Bitch Falcon tours like? Yeah, see, the ones in Ireland are very easy tours because they're only maybe two or three gigs in a row. And then you'd have a break and right. then you continue on. So I wouldn't even call them tours. I guess they're just kind of a couple of shows. But when we started yeah. touring like in England and stuff, 
it was great. Now it's a big shock because when you get to a certain level in Ireland, you can, you know, expect to fill out 300 rooms, 300 cap rooms, you know. And yeah. it's, it's a nice size amount for your ego. But when you go over <laughs> and play yeah. the Crawford Arms to the sound engineer, it's a big... <laughs> <laughs> it's a big change in your uh, sense of um, worth, but um, it uh, it's great. I love touring. I um, I just love the crack. I don't really yeah. I, like. I love playing the gigs, and sometimes the gigs are amazing. But really, it's just so much fun. I just love getting drunk and having a great time. Really, <laughs> and you know, we've done it nicely enough that I didn't have to drive because I didn't have a license until this year so i've never oh, okay. you know i've been the star in the back you know <laughs> the little, I've, so, I've you're, so you're my you worst <laughs> you're my worst nightmare when i'm when i'm well no now it's there. better you know but no we usually hire a driver because if you have to hire a van you usually get a driver with it so well so that's you know. before all this that's what i was doing yeah. so like but immediately like most of the people i tour with were are, like friends of mine yeah. so if if they were being shits, then I could just kind of give them a little dig. Kind of ah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about this yeah. band in Ireland. Now, I won't name them, but um, the singer, you know, doesn't, um, didn't do any of the lifting. No, I wouldn't be like that. I would do my lifting work, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he didn't do any lifting the whole way through the tour. And I got to the last gig and um, the guy driving and doing a lot of the work just turned to him and just punched him in the face. Like, just It was just oh, like, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking asshole like just like just lift something like i don't care if it's just a microphone like just fuck do something yeah yeah but uh, no um oh mate yeah uh, i've never had one of those experiences no no <laughs> see i would always be like we, we're pretty good at kind of doling out the work you know we do all the lifting and then i would do a lot on the merch you know make keep keep an eye on the merch and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and keep an eye on sales and you know making sure it's all right um and nigel you know he's very good bit of a tm he is he it's just more his personality he's a very organized person i'm yeah. more of a chill person but i'm not completely lazy <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's yeah i really like touring just for the crack and just staying in shitty hotels and the stories and the the mistakes i love playing the shitty gigs as well where you embarrass yourself i think that's yeah. just as fun in a way because have you guys been over to to Europe yet? Yeah, we've done a couple of shows. Just like we played with Anti Flag. Um, oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With them. They do like a, a little mini tour, like so we did Germany and Holland yeah. and stuff like that. And then you know we played um, Eurosonic in the Netherlands and something like that. Yeah, a few different, a couple of different here and there gigs. No big long tours. Yeah, but how did you find it like with the European crowds? Because I think it might be be different depending on where the stage of music you guys were. But if we're taking what Bitch Falcon kind of sounds mm -hmm. like now, I think there's definitely like a want and hunger for that kind of sound, especially in mainland Europe. Like yeah. you see kind of like bands like um, Brutus and um, Slow Crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we actually are, played are, Slow like, Crush in killing. the Netherlands, yeah. And they're, like, yeah. Yeah, but they're kind of like killing yeah. it in Europe at the moment. So so how did you guys kind of go over over there? Yeah, pretty good. I think, you know, um, 
you know, uh, this album has gotten picked up by a good few like German and and um, Dutch stuff and uh, um, press. So it'd be interesting to see how we get on because it was mm. a bit of the earlier stuff. So it went down well, but uh, you know we're still very much nobodies. So it'd be yeah. it'd be great to get on, you know, a slow crush tour or something like that. You know, just to, you know, yeah. someone you know that has definitely a crowd coming to it. We've played a lot of conferences and the conferences have gone well, you know. Um, but yeah, we're, I I would be excited to see what Europe would be like after this album because I think it it has translated quite well over in Europe at the moment. So. Yeah. yeah, I think it's 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 hard to judge how well because we've only played maybe five gigs total in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and in terms of kind of like where you're at now, obviously, like you're the only sort of original member from the mm-hmm. initial incarnation yeah. of Bitch Falcon left, and obviously, we've now discussed that there was this kind of shift in sound. So, because you've obviously got the new members and things, was there ever? Like the thought of kind of like starting a new completely like new name and everything yeah. because of like the direction that things were going, or what was the reason of wanting to stick with Bitch Falcon when like the new kind of direction started to become clear? No, we wanted to change the name and change it all because it was very much old, it was very much attached to the old stuff. It felt like we were a new band, and um, really with this album, mm. but it was just an advice of marketing which i probably shouldn't have listened to <laughs> uh, so you know we'll go we'll go ahead with his grand like you know what's the name anyway <laughs> i still like the name but like it is very much i don't know i think you know after this album we'll see what people kind of expect of us and you know what our reputation is maybe you know the name bitch falcon will mean something new i think you know, it doesn't really matter, really, as long as you're putting out, like, good work. And I think, like, this album's obviously, you've kind of mentioned it, is bringing a lot more kind of eyes to you. So it maybe people, like, obviously I wasn't really fully aware of, like, the sort of, like, bluesy sound that you kind of guys had. So it is that kind of people will use this as their entry point. So yeah. I guess it, it is a new band in that yeah, aspect. Yeah, and, like... Sense. You know, people forget very quickly and bands change so often mm. that, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not on anyone's mind all the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, like one of the part of the reasons that we want to talk to you is obviously the new record, um, Staring at Clocks, is obviously now out. You're getting, let's say, reviews, like high recommendations from across the continent and things yeah. like that. Um, but in terms of kind of like, I, I, I seem to be asking this question a lot just because of the period we're in, but obviously putting a record out now is a weird kind of thing because obviously we, you can't tour, you can't play live shows and things like that. But was it always the decision for you guys? Like, no, we've got, cause obviously it's been a lot, it's been well documented how long it's been since you guys formed mm-hmm. as a band to getting your first full length yeah. out. So was it kind of like that? No, yes, I just absolutely. want it out in yeah. the world. Yeah, kind of and you know, it was all set up. Yeah. Everything was ready to go, and then it happened. You know, the pandemic. So yeah. it was just like 
this wasn't going to stop us because you know yeah i think if we didn't put out the album we'd probably just call it a day because it's just too it's too long <laughs> like you know i'm just and I, it's hard to promote yourself on 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 old stuff all the time people are just like yeah i like yeah. that but give me something new you know so um <laughs> you know it's disappointing that you know we can't immediately tour it we can't push it touring in the future seems unreliable at best so it is disappointing that we can't kind of get all the physical glory with pe- bodies in rooms but I mean I had to put it out there I couldn't not I think if yeah it would just be yeah. like oh fuck it like I'm not <laughs> I can't like I can't <laughs> like wait any longer like and in terms of like we've kind of already mentioned the the shift in sound and, and things like that but one thing that I want to kind of touch upon specifically that I've kind of taken away from the record is that it kind of like has a very sort of atmospheric kind of almost like cinematic feel mm. to it and again like from doing my kind of research and reading other sort of interviews that you've done that you are a big sort of film fan mm. so has that kind of like interwoven into your music or am I reading a bit too much into that I guess it has I've always loved albums and gigs that make you feel like you've watched like a really immersive film that you know mm. I, you you want people to be absorbed by it um, yeah. so I definitely would have had that influence in me and I'm a visual listener I generally you know go off into a different world when I'm when I'm listening to music and when I'm writing music and when I'm playing the songs I get really into it so I guess maybe that I don't know if that's a reach for involving film into it I definitely love film soundtracks so much that like that the music the movie doesn't have to be that good if like the soundtrack is is enough you know Um, (laughs) yeah yeah you know I think there's definitely very similar elements in the immersiveness of, you know, some really cool films like Mandy, what a film, like that's such, such a trip. And like the music in it is is so dark, but then when you listen to the music on its own, it's kind of tame, but paired with the visuals, it's so like intense. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely would be influenced by it. And just, I might be putting you on the spot a bit here, but favourite movie soundtrack? Soundtrack. I love There Be Blood by Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. Um, that would be pretty good. I do love Interstellar. Uh, the Neon Demon by Cliff Martinez. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Didn't... Yeah, I really like that one. I think that's a bit of a, an understated one, to be honest. Yeah, I really like that one. Because yeah. I think... I think obviously in within the film like the visuals are kind of what makes that film but yeah take take out the soundtrack and it's yeah it's kind of creepy and weird yeah that's yeah. cool it's a good bop actually to listen to <laughs> <on its own. laughs> yeah but i've uh, um, been um one of my friends in, is in a band called grave goods and um they were working with you know jeff barrow from portishead his yeah 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 invada studios so i've just been going through his invada studios catalog of there because they do a lot of soundtrack stuff they put it out and like oh my god it's great <laughs> i can't remember the one that i need to, i mean just look it up because it is worth a listen um 
I'll look it up while we're chatting because I don't That's cool. really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the other thing that obviously you've kind of spoken about regarding this record is that obviously thematically it's been quite introspective for, for you in terms of like it's the like what you're singing about is is kind of personal experiences and and things like that but yet wanting to make that connectivity with people that are listening to it so like first and foremost was it quite difficult for you to kind of like dig into that side of you and kind of be so open and honest about like your sort of anxieties and stuff to, to lay it bare for people to connect to um i think um the harder part of it is expressing it that doesn't sound like you know woe is me or yeah. you know like i just didn't want to, i didn't want pity or or, or or you know just to be so self-centered you know i was afraid that people might think it's a very self-centered record and so i tried to write which was honest but tried to use them as metaphors for things other than that and I wasn't really afraid, maybe I was a little bit afraid of bearing things a bit open, but I think there, it's very common, um, you know, issues that people have to deal with. So I think I trusted that people would probably um, hopefully re- resonate with them. And mm. if they didn't, hopefully they wouldn't think I'm a gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, here's hoping, you know. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like the idea of kind of like the record evoking emotion, whether that be a direct connectivity with you or just kind of like the musicality of it, was that a purposeful like input into the record? Is that you wanted it to kind of have this like almost grandioso feel? Because like even though there's like the fuzzy guitars, it does feel really big. So was that something that you kind of consciously wanted to create? Um, in terms of just making it really sound quite big and cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I love creating lots of depth in a song with, you know, I, which was just at my disposal with guitar and pedals. And I always wanted to broaden it. And um, I just love really dramatically sad songs, like really, like as sad as you can get. And I think, you know, the sadder you get, the more cinematic maybe it can be. <laughs> and I was listening to a lot of Beach House and I love that kind of atmosphere that they created with their melancholy. And that was really what I wanted to achieve. Um, it's hard It's hard to kind of... Because it was just... When we were recording it and trying out loads of things, we just wanted to sound as weird as possible. And it, it just yeah. did sound quite big. But I just, you know... I just want to layer and layer it. And whenever I write anything that's quite happy sounding, I want to have an undertone under it that is, you know, gets it back to that kind of sadness, more sad mm. of it. Um, and, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, like, because obviously everything that's going on in the world, like bands and artists are thinking about different unique ways of kind of promoting their their music and things like that. Mm. And obviously you did the kind of listen along with the record. So how was that kind of experience to sort of almost get... Because I guess in some aspects it is that live response because you're getting an instant feedback. So what was that kind of like? 
it's hard to judge because you're sitting in a room with cam- cameras pointed at you and you're just like, <laughs> hi. <laughs> hey, everybody. Do you know, uh, you, don't, you don't know what the re- reaction is. So it was, it was hard. I felt it really like, oh, I don't know, but we just got drunk. It was fine. Yes. <laughs> Everything's fine if you get drunk. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, you know, there was no feedback really except for like my friends commenting and being enthusiastic and, and, and egging me on really. Um, mm. it, it doesn't compare to anything live. Yeah, I wouldn't be a big fan of the live streams personally. I, I, I'm fairly done with them. Um, I've got no. to be totally honest. I feel a massive disconnect with them. Like they're not, yeah. they're not for me. There was one really good one that um, an Irish band produced and wrote. Um, Lancome, do you know Lancome? No. They're really good. They're actually they're deadly. They're um, an Irish um, trad band, but they're okay. all punks. So oh, okay. it's very, um, it's very good the way they've done it, and they're. The guy that um, recorded them, John Murphy, or Spud as he's called, is uh, he did sound for us as well. And he really took them as a project and made them really heavy. So they're mm. great, like kind of makes kind of like if Chelsea Wolf was Irish, maybe. Um, OK, cool. But like, yeah, but maybe maybe a little less dark, but it's very good. But they did a really cool live stream, but it was in our national kind of theater. And right. They had them on the stage playing a couple of songs and then, you know, the camera would walk around kind of like a Luke Besson movie or David Lynch. And it was just really strange. And they'd have these kind of weird performers coming in and out. And so the camera would move around and you would go with that. And so it was a really cool performance, like something that you'd see in the gallery. And it was really immersive. That was the best one that I've seen. Other than that, it's it's nice, but... That's like so as I mentioned, like I've have I've kind of got, had a bit of a disconnect with it. But there's a band. I think they're based in Belgium now, but uh, they're called Emonra. They're like sort of like uh-huh. doom metal, but they're okay. like even just like their normal live shows are like a spectacle. Like yeah. so, there's been times where their vocalist Colin he's into um, body modification. So oh. there's been times like on stage where he's been like hung up by the hooks and things <laughs> like that. So they're doing a live stream in a couple of weeks and that's like the one that I want to watch just because yeah, I know yeah, yeah, it's going to be yeah, yeah, something yeah. a bit bit different. Um, and just because obviously like we're talking about like live streams and albums released at this time. And I think mm-hmm. ironically that we started this chat with you nearly chopping off the top of your finger um but your <laughs> your your day-to-day job currently is obviously as a nurse and like i yes. I mentioned that I wanted to touch upon this very very briefly but with someone that is working during these times like yeah. how has it kind of like impacted you like either mentally or like and just a, kind of like in terms of like balancing normal life and music as well like have you found music being even more of a re- a release because of how stressful thing is at the moment um well see during the first lockdown that was you know uh there's a lot of outbreak in hospitals so it was very stressful in hospital but now i have to tread carefully with this because 
nothing that happened during this was fun or enjoyable. But yeah, as a nurse and as someone who likes to learn in medicine, it's kind of um, exciting. Now, yeah, yeah. Not to say like you know, it, it's kind of it's good that it's exciting for nurses and doctors. I was going to say like you know, it's part of the learning development. I was going to say it's science at the end of the day, isn't it? And science is cool and exciting. It is. It's really cool, and if you take a lot of the emotion out of it, it's like a sci-fi movie. So it was, you know, there was days that were really sad and really stressful, and you know, I don't ever want it to happen again. But it was yeah. also really kind of cool. Which is, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say that at all. And, um, but, uh, so I wasn't too stressed about the, the pandemic that much because it was well controlled as well. So it wasn't that bad in Ireland. You know, it got to, you know, there was definitely a lot more deaths that needed, that should have happened. You know, no deaths should have happened. But um, uh, the stress from it, no, it, it, I couldn't give a shit about music during it. I was just like, no, I need to be in oh, okay, now. You know, like I, if, if the album was to come out during it, during that time when it was actually hard work, I, I wouldn't have done anything. I don't. Yeah. I, like no, I said, I everything, that's... all the ch- talk online was really annoying. I was just, but you know, it was everyone who isn't in that situation. They don't, haven't had firsthand um, experience so you know all the kind of hero talk I was just like oh shut up like you know this is my job like I'm happy to do it you know but like just pay me you don't I don't but need you uh, yeah I don't need a clap just pay me you know <laughs> see this is why I wanted to ask you because I wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth essentially <laughs> I didn't want to be like virtual signaling and like oh look at Lizzie she's this amazing nurse uh, sort of thing. Yeah. like I wanted to hear like how you felt about it so thank thank you for that i really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it um, you can just before no, no more visual thing for anyone never no more heroes <laughs> my friends my friends used to slag me off they used to send me like the worst things like all those like you know marvel superheroes like standing by to let the nurses well like oh my god i hated it like and you know, these slag me off all like it was great <laughs> Um, just before I start to round things off, there's one more thing that I wanted to touch upon that I noticed that you've done, and purely because they're a previous guest on this show, but you've done one of the remixes for Click Drip. Yeah. So, like, how did that kind of come about, and how was that for you to kind of work on? Um, I think um, the guys at Small Pond, they were like label buddies. So um, they asked me if... Um, the guitarist the guitarist and them wanted um to try and read our, our track that came out martyr so uh okay and then i was just like oh do you do you want to do a swap and he's like yeah actually we really need this one as soon as you can so it was great and i've kind of started my own electronic project uh called cool girl and um so that was a bit of a lockdown buzz for me. Really, it was just like right. writing a lot of music and and then putting it up online. Like everyone had their lockdown EP that they promised <laughs> yeah. themselves. <laughs> so that was mine. And uh, so yeah, we just they just asked me and and it was great. It was great to do some remixes. And I'd always you know written a lot of electronic music, but never done remixes so much. So it was it was great. It's good fun. We could uh, go a bit mad with it and. It's kind of useful with remixes that I can use my voice or use instrumentation rather than just, you know, 
chop it up a bit. Mm. Yeah. And just in terms of kind of like the electronic music, obviously you, you said kind of you had that as your kind of like lockdown project yeah, yeah. in some aspects. But I find it interesting, especially people that are kind of in like the more kind of alternative world, we're seeing more people leaning towards that kind of electronic sort of sound and things like that. Yeah. So what what kind of what kind of draws you to it? The ease of it. I can yeah. just sit down and do it, you know, and get lost in it and I can record it. I don't have to ask anyone to come into practice with me and I don't have to pay anyone. So I actually was just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I love being in a band. I love writing as a band and I wouldn't be able to write the album without the guys. Um, but that's that. And that's takes a lot of energy and a lot of organization and then getting someone else to record it. I really wanted to put out music and not I do everything myself and it wasn't an egotistical yeah. thing. It was just because I couldn't afford to. So I was like, I'll just learn. I'll just learn how to mix and learn how to master. And that was that was the main thing, because I'd love to go to a studio and get other people to do it for me. But like, I can't afford that. So I'll just do it. It's fine. <laughs> and just before I do finally let let you go and get on with having your, your dinner, um, <laughs> In terms of like future plans, I know it's all very hypothetical at the moment, but have you guys kind of like been gently earmarking, like potentially touring things like that, or are you kind of waiting until there's a, a clearer picture? There is stuff being earmarked and then it gets pushed and pushed and pushed. So like, yeah, it's yeah. We as soon as we can tour, we will be touring because yeah. we're getting dates booked and then. It just doesn't even get announced because we're just like the only thing that we have. I think um, the label have a festival in Brighton called Bad Pond. That's in May. Yeah. So we have that booked, and then another festival called Burn It Down, and that's in England as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we have those two confirmed. But I don't know if Bad Pond will go ahead because May doesn't look promising to me even though the vaccine's no. coming out like you know to actually get herd immunity like i'd say it'll take another year i'd say it'd be 2022 before we're smooth like we're actually there yeah. you know i think it'll be let ups but i don't know how a tour is going to work for anyone because well we're going so... to so many different territories they're going to have different rules yeah and different levels and it's going to change all the time so i'd say you probably won't I'd say we'll get over to England in 2021. We will at some point because yeah. maybe a standoff show will, will be all right. So it's like one of the, the bands I work with, they initially had a tour that was announced for January, but obviously that's now been pushed back. And it's been pushed back to, at the moment, June. Mm. But like it's it is literally all across Europe. And I'm like... I really want to do this tour, but at the same time, is this actually going to happen kind of thing? Yeah. It's it's fingers crossed. What band band is that? Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, because I don't think they've actually announced it. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, Um, Do you play with them or do you... um... No, I'm just their their driver and their merch. Merch Oh, nice. So, Yeah. Um, perfect Lizzie how I like to kind of end these and it might be a bit difficult because obviously the album's only just come out but I like to give it a go anyway Um, I always like to ask my guests what their favourite song is but with a bit of a twist so what's your favourite Bitch Falcon song you'd like to play live and why 
I like to play Of Heart. Yeah. yeah, I think of heart is uh, because when I play, a lot of people tell me that I um, change character, and a lot of people, oh, okay. you know, I've gotten a lot of compliments of being very sexy on stage, but then when they meet me, they're like, "You're actually really goofy." So I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Thank, thank you," but um, no, I feel like of heart, like that's a song that I can just vibe with, and it definitely makes me feel comfortable of going into that character and um just really losing myself in it and I've always have and I've always there's always a a part of the gig that I'm just like I have you like I have the crowd like there's been loads of gigs where you know maybe I have the crowd for like one song and then they're gone or I feel like they're gone uh maybe I've never gotten them but usually when off heart plays I'm just like (laughs) I fucking have you I have you in my hand right here so that's my favorite yeah Perfect. It's brilliant. Lizzie, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thanks to Lizzie for taking some time to sit down and have a little chat with me, especially after she nearly coughed the end of her finger, which could have been disastrous, but Thankfully, she was okay and was able to to sit down and chat with me. Uh, as always, if you want to keep up to date with what Bitch Falcon are doing, then you can do so on all various social media platforms, which will be linked in the episode uh, description notes, um, along with my little ramble about what the project is potentially going to be. That will there'll be some minute details of that in the episode uh, notes. But as I said, we'll be doing a further post with more details um that's it for another week we've got some more really cool uh guests lined up in the in the coming weeks so really excited to to get those out to you and and i'm like i love doing this show but i've kind of got a new vigor for it at the moment because i'm getting some really cool guests on which are people that i wouldn't necessarily have, have thought i'd be speaking to but they're ones that have cool stories and uh, I really hope that you guys enjoy them and kind of give more direction to them. Anyway, I'm really in a rambly mood today, so I'm going to stop right there. Whether this is the first time you're listening to the show or the 177th time, I really, really appreciate it. As always, if whatever podcast platform you're listening to this to on, if you could rate, subscribe, review, it really, really does help boosts us up those charts and gets more eyes and ears on us which is lovely um and as i mentioned before we're on social media twitter instagram all that lovely stuff just underscore and underscore insight so go give us a follow and shit on there i'm gonna leave it there so everyone thank you again for stopping by the just insight podcast and i will see you soon